0: You are listening to the Advanced Leadership Podcast from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. Now, here's your host, Lee Clamp. Welcome to another edition of the Advanced Leadership Podcast. I am so energized today by our guest. He is a friend of mine. He's one of the um, premier leaders within our state and uh, one of our strong associational mission strategists in the Charleston area. Welcome to the show, Craig Tuck.
1: Man, thank you, Lee. I'm so excited to be here and come up from the coast to the Midlands. It's always good. I tell always you what,
0: good. listen, man, I, if you got, listen, the Lord's everywhere. He is. Go to Charleston. You know That's what I
1: right. mean? Yeah. If you look at our logo, you know, the state convention, and the, the, the foot of the cross begins in Charleston. Oh, praise the Lord. So. PTL.
0: Listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> Craig is an incredible leader, but let, let's just talk about your family. Let's just brag mm-hmm. a little bit about your family. So tell us a little bit about you.
1: I uh, love, love my family. I have four children. They're all married now. And uh, Rebecca and I have been married for 35 years. Uh, Lee, I can't believe it that over a year ago, I had one granddaughter. And now I have five grandkids. Say what? So four kids close together to get married all about the same time, not far apart, and something about this quarantine, man. I think the baby <laughs> boom is coming out of that.
0: You know what I mean? Oh, that's another episode. It Greg, is, and we can we can talk about that in Song of Solomon. So. so. Uh, tell me about your grandkids cause you don't care anything about uh, your daughters right. anymore. So that's tell right. us about your grandkids <laughs> it's
1: all about them. Yeah. Four, four granddaughters, one grandson. Wow. One grandson, four yeah.
0: granddaughters.
1: Yeah. Two in Savannah with, uh, our daughter and son-in-law there. And then the other three are local to Charleston and, um, we're we're close by them as well and grandma's getting a lot of good grandma time in, and and so do so am i i love it just love it
0: so are you going to let them name you or are you going to tell them this is what you're going to call me
1: well thankfully uh my first grand, my our first granddaughter started with the name babu and that's not good babu so, that's not good that's like a, a big monkey so uh <laughs> we we made the choice to help her call me Papa. And so I am Papa and Rebecca is Mimi.
0: Nice. Just a li- <laughs> It just takes a little bit of uh, yeah. coaxing and some sub uh, subliminal messages, I, That's I right. understand. It. you got this one grandson to be able to uh, maybe join you with some uh, hobbies that you might have in that Man, fishing world. So tell me tell you. about your fishing hobby.
1: Yeah, my son-in-law in Savannah, he'll bring his boat into town and he says, all right, it's time to get out in the creek. And so we, we hit the creeks He's a fish whisperer for sure. He knows how to find the fish. And so uh, we, we try to catch basically the three, the big three out in the rivers and uh-huh. out in the creeks, which is flounder, trout, and spot tail. And That's let me right. tell you what, when you get a spot tail on your line, you know you got something on your line. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I love it. Now what's the biggest spot you've caught? Uh, about a 20 pounder.
0: Wow, so you, can you keep 20 pounders?
1: Let me tell you, Lee, it's the most discouraging thing in the world. <laughs> when you get that... <laughs> fish tape out and you go, oh, good news, you caught a big fish. The bad news, you got to throw it back. It's too big. I, I just, that doesn't register yeah, that, in my that mind. that doesn't make know? any
0: sense. That, that That's almost the same as uh, that offsides penalty in soccer. <laughs> it just, why do you penalize somebody for being Come so on. fast? You know what I mean? Well, the best kind of boat to own is one that your son-in-law owns. Absolutely. And uh, and they say behind every great man is a very surprised father-in-law. <laughs>
1: That's exactly right.
0: So let's just jump right into it. Now you've been leading there at the um, Charleston Baptist Association uh, for for some years now. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about um, you know what brought you there, and then maybe what you guys do, what you're excited about.
1: Yeah. So Lee, I've been in Charleston since 2003, and in that time, I've been in ministry in the local church, executive pastor, and then church planter, church replanter. And so along the way, in my practitioning ways. Uh, we actually began to house our office at the CBA during a time when they were going through a transition. And while that was going on, I was invited to be a part of the study team and the search team to kind of begin thinking about how do we repurpose the association? Um, our first in our, our convention, 1751. And so we we tried to go way back as far as we could to really figure out what what was the moorings for the association And like a lot of good things is that you develop ministries and then you begin to morph things. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so we had to kind of narrow it down back into what is the main thing that we're called to do as an association. So I was sitting at the table with the study team. And in that time, uh, the director of missions was in transition. And then we went to this interim period. And the association said, you know what, we need to get back to what we said we were in the original plan and design, which is basically three things. And that is to strengthen churches, strengthen leaders, and plant churches. And so as I'm sitting at that table, they said, well, listen, we need to find a director. And I began finding my heart yearning and leaning into that strategy that we said yes to and then going, well, who else is going to do that? Who else do I want to do that? I want to be part of that, you know? So I found myself kind of leaning into that conversation and then I became a candidate to be considered to lead the association in that new strategy. And so six years ago this month uh, is when I was voted in as the as the director of missions, then now the associational mission strategist.
0: Wow. Well, you guys have the first Southern Baptist Church, the first uh, association. You, you, you uh, are part and helped birth the first state convention and then the Southern Baptist Convention. So... Um, you really come from a heritage of trailblazers, so no mm. pressure, No pressure. Uh, Don't mess but, it up. <laughs> uh, but you do have some trailblazing activity happening in the association of yeah. work. And I'd love to hear about some of those things that you're excited about.
1: Yeah, we are excited about how the Lord is growing this strategy. It's kind of like that, that principle Lee, I believe in, which is less is more because sometimes we think bigger is better right. and more is better, but really less is more when it comes to strategy. And you've got to narrow in your focus of what is it that God's calling you to do and do that well. And so for the past six years, we've been really trying to reshape the way we see it. We've also done this. I think that's been important is we begin to ask the question, Okay, in the tri-county area of greater Charleston, how do we see the city as Jesus sees it? It's just like the Matthew 9 passage where it says that he did ministry in towns and villages, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease but then he looked back at the multitudes and he had compassion on them. And I've been asking, Lord, help us to see the city as you see it. So one way, just practically, that we begin looking at it, Lee, is we've, we've put it into four regions and they're geographically bound by rivers or waterways or bridges. And in each bridge, in each place you cross over geographically, there's a different demographic in it. It's a whole different demographic and dynamic within that area. And what we have found is that our 80 churches are actually divided in all four of those areas almost evenly, like 20 in each region. And so as a result of that, we've been leaning into how do we begin to, to look at that geography and say, how can we have churches begin to own the lostness within that geography together and begin to partner together in a way that we can, we can see every man, woman, and child have the opportunity to see here and respond to the gospel. And so really get back again to what we said we're about, which is ultimately the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, but it's doing it together side by side. And so what I've watched happen is uh, as we begin to organize by regions, we've seen churches begin to look at each other and begin to pray together, begin to look at opportunities to serve together. Then I've also worked on some structure within the association to begin to help facilitate more kingdom movement within each of those areas.
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
1: Now, uh, in addition to that work within the association,
0: um, you also uh, are doing some collaborative work within the city.
1: Yeah. So talk yeah. a little
0: bit about what
1: that looks like. Yeah. So in Greater Charleston, you know, from the very beginning, early days of the settlement of Charlestown, um, the gospel-centered churches that were there, obviously, again, we do have, I think, a lot of, Gratitude for the way that God called the First Baptist Church Charleston together to be a, a voice of the gospel in the city back in 1682 But the Anglicans also were there and they were preaching the gospel in a strong way as well as the Presbyterians were there as well um, And so the French Huguenots I mean I can go on with the names of groups that were there that were gospel focused gospel centered and so that that idea of churches that are in our city that love Jesus just as much as we do we have thought what if we could create an idea of a table where we convene a table of coming together so first of all my baptist tribe if you will sitting in regions around the greater charleston area sitting at a table looking at each other baptist to baptist and saying how can we work together for the sake of reaching every man woman and child and then i've asked our baptist brethren to say Can this table be bigger in each of these regions Mm. that have other chairs at it of people that love Jesus, leaders that love Jesus, just like we do, and long for the gospel to come and reach people as well as to change our city? Um, And what we have found, Lee, is by creating that idea of convening a table is that it's begun to say, you know what, there are people here that do love Jesus and they're doing a good work. It's different than the way that I would do it, but we can lean in together. And so out of that uh, we, we began to help form this nonprofit called Mission Charleston. And Mission Charleston is just simply a way of cre- connecting an interdenominational expression of the gospel to make Jesus unignorable to every man, woman, and child. And what we've seen happen just recently, as you know, Lee, we've, we've seen this influx of Afghan refugees that have come into our cities here in America. So because we already had this relationship, this longer table, um, we began to convene those tables to say, hey, we've got Afghan refugees coming in. In fact, I asked Senator Tim Scott to come to a table with church leaders across the region. And he sat there as one of our senators and, and, and shared scripture with us hmm. to say how we need to love those who are strangers to us hmm. out of Matthew 25. Oh, wow. I mean, that was from our senator. I yeah. loved it. And so what we did from that is to say, okay, how can we as the Church of Greater Charleston love these strangers and love them and welcome them in and care for them. Um, they're allies when you look at it from a national perspective. Um, and they're also people that God has brought to us right at our back door. So how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? And so what's been amazing is watch 25 churches create teams to foster these Afghan refugees. Wow! But that came, Lee, really out of a table that was already convened. Through Mission Charleston, okay, and we saw that also in a response to a way when the Emanuel tragedy took place, mm-hmm. and other things in our city that took place, that we began to say, "Hey, let's convene that table and say what what can we do as the church," and and of all people that should be in a place of disposition of responding with hope and with love and with grace, it should be the church. And so we've been helping to foster that. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, my you know my day job and the lane I run is I'm Baptist, and I. Operate out of the Charleston Baptist Association, but we allow for that space to be able to help influence also a bigger conversation for the sake of the gospel in Charleston.
0: That's great. You know, um, collaborations uh, pretty messy. I mean, it's uh, it's not easy to do, and a lot of times people will use the word collaboration, uh, but what they're really meaning is probably the word cooperation. And what I found the the major difference there. Um, You know, being that that collaboration, there's something bigger that we're all working together towards. So it might be this concept of every life being saturated with the gospel in an area, and we're going to collaborate together to try to do it. Cooperation simply says we both have two different agendas. So how can we cooperate together for mutual benefit on each of our individual Agendas, and so when you start thinking about uh, collaboration among Baptists, you know, goodness gracious! I mean, we've we've uh, you know we've got a heritage of working together, so we're really excited about that. Um, But it's still messy. But then when you cross denominational lines and you have some differences um you, you you tend to you know make it even more messy so uh what are some of those barriers that you've been able to kind of press through or 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 maybe some of the mess uh the messiness of collaboration that you've been able to uh succeed in what what are some things that you've learned
1: yeah i think you've said it well collaboration is messy <laughs> Um, but again, in our DNA as Baptist we have a cooperative DNA, uh, the cooperative program, for example, and mm-hmm. all the things that, that set us apart and put us together. Um, you know, when there's a disaster, we, we come together, we cooperate and we respond. And so I love that about our denomination. Mm-hmm. I, it's in our DNA. But many times what happens is it's a whole lot harder when you put that at a table and between relationships mm-hmm. because there's risk involved. There's risk of, of what... The way I see things philosophically or the way that I want to approach things or the way I would do things. And so to me, the centerpiece at every table has to be the gospel. It has to be about Jesus. Now, the way that I express Jesus and the way that you might express Jesus, it's going to be the same because we're pointing to the same thing, but there's an expression that's different. That's what I love about Paul's writings that has helped me at tables of collaboration. In Ephesians, he talks about the fullness of Jesus being made known. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why I really love a multi-expression within a region Mm -hmm. of churches that have different strengths, that they can express the fullness of Jesus to that region together. Mm -hmm. I don't think one church has all of it. I think one church obviously has all of Jesus, but they may not have the full expression of all that he is for us. And that's why Paul wrote in his letter, I want you to know the height, the depth, the breadth, and the length of this love Mm -hmm. and how deep and wide and how great it is. And so when he was writing that letter, I really think that he was, in a sense, talking to the churches of saying, we need to express that fullness together. So when you sit at a table for collaboration, you have to come, first of all, with that premise that it's all about Jesus and we want to express his fullness. I have an expression of it and you have an expression of it. And together we can show what the body looks like in this area. So, first of all, there's a risk involved of... um, uh, being maybe misunderstood what your motive is. And so we've always got to say, let's make the gospel our motive and our ambition. Mm. So that's key. Um, the second thing is, I think you also have to, to look at the aspect of what's primary, what's secondary. What's primary is making the gospel known. What's secondary is what do we do together and how we cooperate or mm. how far does that cooperation go? For example, uh, sitting at a table with Anglicans and Presbyterians, it's it's very, very unlikely that we're going to plant a church together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's highly, highly likely if we're sitting at the table that we're praying for the harvest and we're praying for laborers together to see the region reached. Mm -hmm. And we're beginning to find ways that we can help foster that. Maybe we do an event together. Maybe we serve together through this expression of refugee care or whatever it might be. So I think those are things that are important that we can't get hung up because automatically you say, well, you don't, cross the T's and the I's like I do theologically or philosophically. But if Jesus is at the center of that, I can allow for there to be some tertiary things that are different about me and you. But the, at the end of the day, it's about how do we mobilize the gospel in every life? Mm. And I think we've got to be willing to know how to walk away from that table and be at our own tables and begin to strategize what's next within that context of gospel movement. Mm. But I think what doesn't happen first and foremost is that we don't create the larger table together to say, how do we see a movement of the gospel and how do we lean in together? So it's it's risky, it's messy, mm-hmm. and you got to really know who you are and what you believe and be comfortable in your own skin sitting at that table. Mm-hmm. And if you are, then you get clarity really quickly about what do you do as a follow-up to that or what's the application for you personally? Where do you leverage money? Where do you leverage more people resources? Um, and I think you gauge it based on on, on how you participate. Mm-hmm. But I think you start by coming to say the kingdom of God is bigger than one church and bigger than one denomination. And so how could we look at this as a sandbox that we all put our toys in there mm-hmm. and are willing to share and exchange tools and ideas of reaching out across, across the aisle, if you mm-hmm.
0: will? That's great. You know, <clears throat> if we believe in the possibility of every life— um, We uh, we must collaborate because it's going to take um, all of us. It's not going to just take a few. And and I do think that uh, some people think they have to leave their convictions at the door Mm -hmm. when they collaborate. But that's not true. I mean, how many how often do we go to a Clemson or Carolina game and we're sitting around people (laughs) and and we're focused on what we agree on that our that our team's the best in the state, you know, depending on which uh, city you're in um but i 'm not really uptight about the person uh that's sitting next to me that may have a a different um uh, world view than right. i do right um and that does bleed over into the church but at the end of the day I think we we when we focus on what we agree on then more so than what we disagree on hmm. uh it helps to breed that that um collaboration um and if we can you know, harness in on uh, on the proclamation of the gospel, you know, and working in that together and really just loving the city along the way. It could be some beautiful things that happen. Well, you, yeah. well, you're a trailblazer in a lot of different arenas, but one of the areas that I've found that you have done some extensive work is in this idea of replant mergers. Mm-hmm. You took one of the historic churches in Charleston and um, successfully and patiently uh work to breathe life again into that church and um that church used to be the largest church uh in our whole convention mm-hmm. and um and it had dwindled down to just a few godly people um, that wanted to see some change. So just talk to me through maybe what you've learned about this idea of, um, of replant or replant mergers uh, along the way to help breathe life into, um, into congregations.
1: Uh, I appreciate that, Leah. I, I, I wish I could say, well, I strategized that. Man, <laughs> I, knew exa- I knew exactly every <laughs> step we were going to take. Uh, it's all been a backdoor experience, an opportunity of learning really um, so the quick story behind the story is uh, is i was planting a church in greater charleston that um that was meeting on the peninsula at a at a at a high school and um, at the time the high school was looking to renovate and uh, and change things around so we had to move out for at least a year till that renovation could take place but one thing that we did right away is when we we were planted there on the peninsula the upper part we began to pray with pastors on the peninsula to say how can we partner together, pray for the city, again, creating a table. And um, as a result of that, I I needed to knock on the door at Citadel Square to say, hey, listen, we're in the same association, same denomination. Um, We're out of the school for a year. Could we rent space? And Citadel Square, as you said, it's been there for so long, and 80,000 square feet of buildings right in the center of downtown. Uh, At the time, the church was really struggling with where they were, both in people size and um, in strength and vitality. So those 45 dear saints, uh, we approached them and said, hey, we're a church plant of 300. Could we, could we borrow space? Could we just rent space from you? And they were gracious to open their doors. And of course, while that was happening, another conversation was going on between the pastor at the time there and myself, which is, "What what is God saying here? Because uh, he'd been there for uh, you know a decade or so and had been investing a lot of time and life and energy into that congregation and loving them well. Uh, But there wasn't a trajectory of of strategic growth and change in an urban context. So these 45, median age, probably around 75, and um, with their hands open to the Lord. Um, And so while we were there for a year sharing space, we began to recognize that there was something else that was going on. So that's the backdoor kind of perspective I want you to understand is that we were just simply following the Lord with what open door he gave us. But as that happened, we began to see the providential hand of God describing something for us, or prescribing something, which was to enter into gospel history that had been there a long time, and not to bring our church plan in to say, "Hey, we're the next, you know, best slice, you know, best bread, whatever, you know, that's that's saying the best thing since sliced bread to come in." Um, But we're here to begin entering into this story of the gospel. We want to see the gospel reach every man, woman, and child. So. Uh, conversation took place and uh, we began praying together and it was not easy. It was messy. Um, the church was practically split down the middle on voting to say yes to the replant. Um, but the majority spoke and said yes. And so we came in and became the new Citadel Square. I look at it this way, Lee. It's kind of like a an old wineskin of culture uh, and then bringing a new wineskin of culture and strength and vitality through leadership and then seeing new life come back into a historic church. And so what's been wonderful is the 45 that were there, we added our 300, and the church has grown now into over 600. Incredible. Reaching college students. And and a lot of the people that have been there for a long time, when they walk in and see Citadel cadets and college students, It it just is a joy for them because they remember those days. So I'm just I just rejoice that the Lord allowed us the opportunity. Mm -hmm. It wasn't prescribed by us, but it was prescribed by his providence that that would be the case. And so we're thankful to be part of that. Wow,
0: that's that's great. Well, if you're a a church leader that is listening, that's in a in a church that you're willing to take a risk and potentially um, join in with another congregation. Uh, Craig would be an incredible one to talk to and unpack that with. Or if you're a church that says, you know what, we've got tons of resources and and we would love um, to join in with another church, Um, he he would be a great one to talk through things that you would need to be prepared for, um, the barriers that you don't even know you're about to hit. Um, to, to really see that be a huge success. And um, so you'll be able to reach out with him on uh, contact information we have on this podcast. Well, Craig, thank you so much for being a part of this Advanced Leadership Podcast. And uh, I, I really do uh, I value you as a friend and as a leader in our state. And um, and I, I just challenge you to keep being a trailblazer. Keep, keep this innovation going. And uh, who knows
1: what the future holds. Hey, thank you. I'm so honored to be here with you. Thank you for your leadership and the privilege it is to partner together in our family mm-hmm. uh, Southern Baptist and um, one thing I, I think it's been key for everything that we've been trying to do and that is following under this guide of operate at the speed of relationship mm, that's good because that's where we have to be and if we're going to see the movement of God we can't we can't make that happen on our own but as we walk with the Lord and follow him but operate at the speed of relationship whether it's replant merger whether it's convening a table with leaders, Um, You have to operate at the speed of relation. That requires a lot of tactical patience. Mm -hmm. But if we're patient, good things come to all those who wait. And so I believe great fruit can come if we operate in that way.
0: That's great. Well, until every life is saturated and transformed by the hope of the gospel, advance.
1: Thanks for listening to the Advanced Leadership Podcast from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. This South Carolina Baptist Convention podcast is made possible through the cooperative program giving of South Carolina Baptist churches. For more information, visit scbaptist.org.